Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. From the corner, Barry. Rick Barry has not missed the free throw against Washington. Now it is Barry. Back to Clifford Ray. Goes to Rick Barry. Golden State getting that ball moving. Intended for Barry. Barry, look at that pass. Rick Barry, look at that shot, would you? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Barry wants to make a move. There's a Barry. He's got his shot. Hey everybody, Rick Barry here. Thanks for uh, listening in to the Rick Barry Show. I am, uh, of course, once again with my cohort in crime, the surf man himself, Cyrus Satchis, and uh, we are delighted to have joining us a fellow Hall of Fame member, a fellow coach in the Big Three, a fellow Top 75 Anniversary Team member, and one of the greatest point guards uh, in the history of the NBA, Gary Payton is joining us. Gary, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Rick. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, you do you realize that we have something in common because both of us going into the NBA were the second pick in the first round. So that's the greatest. Second. That's the greatest pick, uh, uh, Rick. It's always the greatest pick. Yeah, I mean that first guy. You know, I don't know. I mean, I know. I just read a big story about it and everything. I mean, the Knicks screwed up by not taking me. So who screwed up by not taking you? <laughs> well, I, you know what? The New Jersey Nets was going to lose the first pick. I didn't want to go there anyway. So, so you know, it was good. I, I went to the right place where I wanted to go to. I went to the second pick with Seattle, and look how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, well, Seattle, because having lived in Mercer Island and being up there and knowing how beautiful it is and all, a lot different than being in New York and New Jersey there in that area. I mean, because that's like, boy, I tell you, that's a tough place to, to be. You know what it's like. It's a rat race back there. There's so many people, so much going on in Seattle, so much more laid back. Yes, yes. Unbelievable. Well, anyway, thanks so much for taking the time. So what was it like for you when you heard, I don't know, in 90s, were they having that big deal like they have recently now? I don't think they were doing it where they had the big party and everybody was there to go up on the stage. They didn't have all that back then, did they? No, we, you know, Rick, we didn't have that. That was, you know, our day was... You know, you guys were there. We were building up. We wasn't as, as like that. And this is a show now. All this is nothing but a show. So when we came, you know, everybody knew where they was going to basically go, really. You know, people were saying who was going to get picked, what number. And then we'll just go up there on the stage. We'll shake, shake David Stern's hand. And then we'll go go in the back and do what we got to do and leave. That was about it. Well, <laughs> That's a big deal to meet Derek. When I did, I got a phone call. I was back in Roselle Park where I went to high school doing something over there. And I got a phone call. Oh, you were picked. Uh, you were picked by the San Francisco Warriors and a second pick in the draft. I mean, so I, we didn't even have anything. We had nothing. Right. <laughs> right. See, we were building up and we were just getting it. You know, New York was just getting it. David Stern had just brought the NBA really back like what, four years, five years, you know, prior to that in 84, 86 years or something like that. And it was just starting to build, and, you know, and they started having it in New York and, you know, it was, it was a big thing for our families, but Rick, that's basically ain't nothing but for your family. It's not for us. You know what I'm saying? Cause we could stay at home and they can call us and then we'll go to the city that we get drafted. But our family is the one who really want that stuff. They want to be on TV, show their new suits. And then, you know, today these young kids, they want to open up their coats and show everything on oh, what they done did and all that. I'm like, fancy man. outfits. They get the fancy outfits and everything else. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that, man. I, I'm like, okay, you, you, you doing too much right now. <laughs> oh, hey, listen. Well, it's we know it's such a different world. I mean, for you, it's different than what it is now. Can you imagine? And mine was like every bit as crazy as what they're doing now compared to you. What you did was crazy compared to what I did because there was nothing. I mean, absolutely right. nothing going on mm-hmm. I mean, the guys today sign a rookie card deal for more money than i made in my first few years playing ball. <laughs> hey rick they signing money for just to just to go down the street and talk about a, a, a product for what we done made. Shoot, yeah. i'm just saying these dudes here making about 50 million dollars a year man 40 something <laughs> listen man that was what we didn't had in two lifetimes you know what i'm saying so <laughs> it was it was it was just a little different 
The big game is finally here as we hit Super Sunday with the last game of the football season. And as always, betonline.net has you covered from odds, scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's fast basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. Head to the BetOnline website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get you started. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games betonline.net where the game starts yeah well you came in at the time uh, when showtime was going to start up for the lakers and got involved with all of that and and with like you said david stern transformed the league with his marketing and all it was always a great product even when we were there but they transformed it i mean they got it on prime time they got great tv deals and all the money and everything stopped there so for you what was it like as a rookie coming in to be able to go and be a part of that really kind of a revolution of the NBA, you were a part of that in the 90s. So what was it like for you when you knew you got drafted and the difference between college and pro basketball? Well, Rick, that, that's a great question because I was so hyped on getting in the NBA and playing against some other guys like Magic, like Isaiah Thomas, like Jordan, uh, all Pippen, uh, Charles Barkley. You know, I had a we had a crew, John Stockton, Carl Malone, I was ready to play against them, but I wasn't really ready, you know, because college was different. Them guys had already been seasoned. They were groomed. Uh, Isaiah and them was just coming off winning two championships. I thought that I can compete with them, and it was rule awakening because I wasn't really ready to compete. I needed to work on a little bit more of my skills. They were more seasoned, but I was so, you know, surprised and excited to get into pros because college was, to me, I love college because I, I went to college for four years and it was great for me. That's why I stayed in college because I wasn't ready to be a man and go and make that type of money and do that type of things. So I had to uh, um, really realize what I needed to do. And when I got to the pros, it was a rude awakening. You have so much money, you have so much things to do and then you get lost on what you're supposed to be doing. And that was play basketball. And I got lost. And then when I got lost, my game went downhill. And they started thinking about trading me. And then all of a sudden, I got a guy in my life who's like a second father to me, Tim Gergerich, who uh, took my game to a whole nother level. He made me go back to the work days when I was in Oakland, California, working for fun and trying to get to that stage. And now just stay to that stage. And he, he, he took me every day in the summer and worked me. He made me go back to summer league, playing that. In my third year in the league, he made me play in the summer league. And I got back to working and working hard and grinding. And then that's when everything changed in my life in basketball. I started becoming an all-star. I started making all defensive teams. I started doing everything, you know. And then all of a sudden, it all did. I made the Olympic team, all that stuff. So it was one of them things where I, I was proud to have him in my life. Wow. I'll tell you, I didn't know that Tim was such an important influence for you, but I would assume that having to go through that type of a transition from college to the pros, thinking you're on the top of the world and realizing that you're not there, had to give you a greater appreciation for what you were able to accomplish, true or not. And what, you know, what, what did it mean to you to be able to get to that point from where you were? Well, Rick, that, that, was, that was great because I, I thought I was on the top of the world. Being number two pick, I thought I was just supposed to go in there and it was just supposed to be getting handed to me, and which it was. And it was a bad thing for me to do. And it, when it got handed to me, I, I got hit in the mouth. And I got hit in the mouth hard. And I, 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 then I respected the game. Because after I, when I respected the game, after I got hit so hard like that, it was just something that I, I had to, it was a reality check. And to go from that, you know, thinking that who I was and then to fall off the way I fell off in my two years, and then to come back and be the player I was, it, it, it made me think about how hard I should work every day, how hard I should be there every day. Nothing is given to me. If I want to be on that mm -hmm. top level, 
I have to work all the time. And that's what I did. I just went in the, in, the, in the lab by myself. I didn't work with nobody. I didn't play with nobody because everybody wanted to get my spot anyway. And I wanted to get to their level. So I started working out by myself and I started taking it more serious than when I was when I was coming in, a pro, in college because college wasn't like the pros. I dominated college. And what college was is that when they, I forgot, they were dominant in, in college too. And they were really good too. You know, and that's who I started becoming against. And they were probably better than me. And I didn't understand that. And I just had to work. And then, then when I went to work, that was, it made it more satisfying to me to understand how to work and to get to that level. And once I started making all these all-stars, I started making all these all-leagues, I started doing all this other stuff. I said, this is where I should have been from day one. And, and that's what I understand. And that's why I appreciate hardworking players. Mm-hmm. When players go out and work hard, I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And you know, you I, you I coached that way at the big three. You see me. I don't care how good them guys were or they was in the pros. They got to work to stay at what they want to do because they, they're coming back out here trying to show something. And you, I'll be seeing it on your face. You you don't want to recruit. You don't want to draft none of them guys who are not no good because they don't come to play every night. And they take it as for granted that they just want some money. And I don't like that. I like to work and let's win for something. I'm not just in in there just to be just coaching. I want to win. And, and that's just where I am. Yeah, see, this is great. I, I, I had no idea about that. You know, we've known each other. We've spoken and stuff. And I was really looking forward to this interview because I knew I could get into some more in-depth stuff that I had not uh, realized where it's a part of your life. But I mean, I, I, this is such a great learning lesson for people to understand that you have to be willing to put the effort forth in order to achieve success. If it just comes to you too easily, a lot of people can't really deal with that. And and, and I think it destroys them. Cyrus, I know you, you probably have a million questions for Gary, so I'm not going to leave you out of the conversation. Go ahead. Can't. It's okay. <laughs> I do. Well, I, I guess first things first, man, uh, you two are in an incredibly exclusive club. Rick, you've talked about this before and please jump in again where you're two Hall of Famers, you're both members of that 75th anniversary team, which is such an exclusive club, but you also have kids who play in the NBA. And Gary, and I want to talk about your Oakland roots in a bit, but your son is playing for the Golden State Warriors, and he's not just playing, he's contributing. In my opinion, he is a vital, integral part of that team. What is it like watching your kid play in the NBA? Describe the emotions of that. Well, Cyrus, that's that's something that I've been looking forward to. My son really came out six years ago. He didn't get drafted. He had a he had a great yeah he had I think he had a great time in Oregon State, and and, and what happened for him to follow me in my footsteps as being that person at Oregon State and doing what he did in two years, I thought he should have got drafted. Yeah. But as my son has to understand that he has to work hard too and get to the right situation that he did as he is in right now in Golden State, and as as Rick can understand, I played with two of his sons. You know, and, and, and both of them were pretty good. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I know this. You have to be dedicated to what you're doing. And my son, in these early eight years, he was dedicated, but he wasn't taking it as serious as I thought he should take it. And I think that he needed to work out and listen a little bit more. I think this finally time, I think this was his almost probably on his last leg, and Golden State took it. And when Golden State took him, they didn't understand what surprise they had in the athlete they had in my son. Right. And what I think what it was is Steve Kerr gave him an opportunity that most coaches didn't. He let him be him. And he's being him. He's not expected to do anything because they got stars on there. They got other players that's really good. All he do is come in and change the game. He changes the game by his hustle, by his mm-hmm. defense, by his ability to rebound the basketball, dunk the ball, give entertainment to the thing, and only play 19 minutes. And that's what he needed to do. And I think he's more comfortable with that. And his confidence has went up a uh-huh. high. When you get a, a kid that his confidence stay up here and it's not down here and he doesn't he guessing what I'm going to do or am I going to come out the game or am I going to play? and he knows he's in a set rotation and they love him and they tell him that and give him the opportunity to do it, your whole uh, demeanor changes and your whole game changes. And I think that's the way he's been. And he's been a big part of that because a lot of the superstars are making him better. 
because he cuts and they get him the ball. You don't have a, a selfish, a selfish um, superstar. You 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 give it to him and let him be him, and then you be your star. And I think oh. that's what my son is into right now. And how is it that you two both have kids who have much better hops than you? I mean, I, like Brent and, and Gary both <laughs> can outleap you without any question. Cyrus, I happen. think that my son is really the mailman's son, so I'll let it go. <laughs> I really let it go. And so anything can happen. But, you know, as Rick say, as Rick can tell and uh, testify, his son won the dunk contest. Yeah. Very athletic. And Brent. You know, Brent went to Oregon State, too. Yeah. You know, it just happens. You get one of them sons that are is is is, is a, a athlete like that, and we have one. And I'm, <laughs> yes, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, disappointed about that. But Rick, I don't, we gotta understand about one thing. Rick can testify to this: we can't. They, our sons can't be us. They'll never yeah. be another Rick Barry. They'll never be another Gary Payton. I might name my sons after me, but they'll never be us. <laughs> and they can't do the same thing we do. So we tell them to be a side of us. Put a, 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 a picture aside of us and say, you was one of the great with your dad. You know what I'm saying? So, and I'm not disappointed in that. I, I, I'm glad my son is more athletic than me. So that means he doesn't have to be compared to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> having his own identity, and I like having his own identity. That's awesome. I mean, I, listening to you, I mean, it's, it's almost like this is a carbon copy. I'm hoping the same thing happens to my son, Canyon. Because he's right. just like your son, you know, mm -hmm. didn't get drafted, should have been drafted, was SEC player there. So the same thing. And I'm not going to tell you this is about you and not me. But, man, I'm telling you, I'm listening to you. So this is a great thing. When I talk to my son later, I'm going to say, son, listen, I just got done with Gary Payton. And he told me about what happened to his son. So hang in there, you know. Yeah. It's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time because he can really play just like you yeah. know your son can play. And they right. don't listen to us, though, do they? You, I'm sure no. you know the <laughs> Rick, they don't listen to us, man. Rick, I'm telling you, my son, I, I've gave up on my son about talking to him about situations, man. I just say, yo, uh, you know, my agent, who is Aaron Goodwin, is is like a brother to me. He had me since I was nine years old. He's seen me play and he's been around me, turning into an agent just because I was going to go pro. But they listen to them more because they're not, we're not schooling them all the time. We're their father. We raised them. So they don't really, really want to keep hearing from us. So I, I said, okay, fine. It, it is what it is. And like Rick said, we know our, our kids can play. We'll say something and they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, right. All right. You're always saying to dad, whatever. Okay, that's fine. That is fine with me. I said, but you got to knock your head or knock your, get your head knocked in sometime to understand what we really are talking about. We've been there. You know what I'm saying? And not to get drafted and we get drafted. You don't think we don't know what the game is about? Yep. Exactly. About you listen to what we said and try to do it and work out for you a little bit better. But they don't want to do that. They they <laughs> want to be their own, and that's their generation. I'm good with they've been in that generation. I'm happy. I'm just happy to be your father. I'm gonna stay your father. I'm not gonna say being your kind of your coach and nothing like that. I'm just gonna sit there and look from the distance. And every time you do something good, I'm gonna congratulate you. And I'm going to pump you up. And that's what I, I always tell my son now. I'm not going to call you out there every game. I'm not going to be at every game. I'm right here in the Bay Area. I can go to all the Warrior games, but I don't. I pop in every now and then to make sure he understands that I support him. Yeah, that's that that's awesome. And unfortunately, coaches don't listen to you when you talk about your son either. They say, oh, he's just his son. And I try to preface it the same way. But anyway, I hope I have this thing to be able to tell the same story about my son, Canyon. He gets a chance to do something. But let's get back to Gary Payton joining us here in the Rick Barry show. Um, so I'm sure you, you've had to answer it just like I know I've had to answer questions that I've gotten many, many times. And I'm sure people who are listening who don't know the story. How did you get the nickname, the glove? Mm. Well, in 1993, uh, 94 season, we're playing against the uh, Phoenix Suns uh, uh, and, and Kevin Johnson. We were in a uh, NBA uh, Western Conference Finals, as a matter of fact. And we were playing against Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson was a premier point guard at that time. He was ranked number one. He had averaged about 27, made, I think, first team all league or whatever. And he was averaging about, yeah, about 24, 25 that year. And I, I couldn't do nothing with him in the beginning of the year. You know, we, we went back and forth. We played each other what, four, three, four times. You know, we split, and, but he was having good games, and I'll have a good game. But I couldn't stop him. And But you can't stop really a superstar anyway. All you can do is contain him. And this time, I, I just 
buckle down. I said, forget it. Let me just sacrifice my game to try to stop him. And it, and, and, and it, came, it, came, it came true to me. I, I was holding him to 14 points for the series. We was game six. I just held him to 12 points. And we, we won the game to force a game seven. And my cousin called me on the phone. And he was like, blub, blub, blub. And I hung up the phone. And, and I was like, I don't know who that is. Somebody <laughs> calling somebody and they messing up. And he called back. He said, cuz, don't, don't, don't um, hang up the phone. It's your cousin, Glennie. I was like, man, why you call me Glove? He was like, because you hold Kevin Johnson like a baseball in a catcher's mitt uh, so tight that he can't move. He can't go nowhere and do nothing. And I said, whoa, that sounds pretty good about my defense because I am smothering. And next thing you know, we took it to the NBA. The NBA got a, caught a, a, a whiff of it. We start doing T-shirts, Seattle Supersonic start doing a lot of things with it. And they just start nicknaming me that. And next thing you know, nowadays in 2022, it's one of the greatest nicknames ever. It, cool. it still is. It sticks, man. No pun intended. And see, uh, yeah, and Saris, I want you to hear what he said, because I, we did this when we were doing the draft and James Worthy came out with the guy that locked him down. And I said, give me a break. You can't lock down a scorer. And there's the guy who is known as one of the greatest defensive players in the backcourt telling you can't lock down a scorer. Sure, <laughs> yes, but not a scorer. But you can make him work harder and yeah. he's going to have some tough days. And then if he has a bad day, you're going to do what he was able to do there to Kevin Johnson. Right. 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 And yes, that's, that's really the, the truth. Rick, because everybody started talking about Michael Jordan had a bad series against me in, 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 in 96. He had a bad three games, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I didn't guard him for the first three. I didn't even go in there. I wanted to guard him, but I was hurt. It, it is what it is. But when I did guard him, I didn't never go in there saying I'm going to stop Michael Jordan because that's that's unrealistic. That, just, don't even say that. I was, a, I was a defensive player of the year. He was MVP of the year. So it was like are we going to try to clash and, and, and make a, a, a um, entertainment out of it? And all I did was make Michael Jordan work. That's it. I just made him work. I mean, I got him off the spot. I made him do things that he has never done all the time. I made him do different stuff. And when you do different stuff, you got to adjust to that. And, but you trying to adjust to it, but it, I'm still working and I'm still being a pest. So if you make him take shots that he never, he's not used to and he's not comfortable, he's going to miss them shots. Yep. And then I can get in a role and then he's worried about me on the other end trying to defend me, then that becomes a, a advantage for me. And that's all I did. I just tried to work him. And then Phil, Smith, Phil Jackson got a little smart. He switched. He switched the bigger man on me and Scottie Pippen, made me work a little bit more on the offensive end. And then it, it tired me down. And that's it. I just contained him. If you contain somebody that scored average 23 and he was just scoring average 30, okay, he's still getting 23. So you know what I'm saying? I was just yes. trying to I was just trying to contain. Yeah, well, then you you did a hell of a job of that. I mean, obviously, one of the best. Gary Payton joining me here in the Rick Barry Show, along with Cyrus Satchis. Uh, appreciate you joining us. And you just brought up a point that I wanted to get into. I don't know if people realize. I mean, you had multiple seasons where you did also not only play the tough defense and all, but you averaged over 20 points a game. Yep. But what was your mentality going into games as a point guard? Because to me, this thing about the scoring point guard, you know, I want a point guard to play with that wants to pass the ball first. Okay. So what was your <laughs> philosophy? Well, Rick, my philosophy was, was to do whatever it takes for me to win a basketball game for my team. I wasn't worried about myself. You know what I'm saying? Because I know, and as you know, we can score when we want to. That is, that's not, that's not the object of here. I'm not trying to go out there and, and put my name in the paper that I have 40 and next thing you know, our team lose by 20. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to make my whole team be better. How can I do that? So my mindset was to go in and do this. All right, let me intimidate the player that's playing against me and let me get him out the game and get him scared so I can make my game easier. So then what I would do was, and I would say, okay, let me see who's going to be hot today. If Detlef was hot or Sean was hot or Hershey Hawkins or uh, Sam Perkins hot, I'm going to get them off. And if that time, if they're getting off, I'm going to get four and five and six assists. And that doesn't make a difference. Then I'm getting a lot of steals. And then I'm going to have about three or four points. And then I'll take a quarter where when they get on the break, I can be the one who, who dominates the game. I'll get three and four buckets. Next thing you know, that's 10 points. I'm already at 10. 
So I'm good. If I get a couple of free throw here, I'm 12, 14. But by this time, I've got 14 and eight, 14 and seven with four rebounds and about three steals. Then all of a sudden, when it's time to go and it's clutch time, it's go time, I'm just making everybody better. In the fourth quarter, either I'm going to get the win or I'm going to make a, a great play. I'm going to do something that's going to be uh, beneficial to my team. And by that time, when I look up, we've won a game. I've got 24, 10, and six, and four steals. That's a great game. I don't mm -hmm. need anything else. I don't need nothing else. I don't need 40 and 50 points. As you look at it, Rick, I've never scored over 45 in my career. I scored 45. That's it. I never thought about going for 50s. I never thought about doing that type of stuff because that wasn't my game. My game was to get the job done, get my team to be who they are, get a win, and just keep continuing to get wins and make my teammates better. So what was it like? Because I told people today, if I could come back and get young enough to play again, I would be a point guard. I would play point guard at my size now with my quickness and speed and stuff. And here's why for me, because I know I control the destiny of my team. The ball is in my hands. How did you approach that part of it? Same way, Rick. I, I knew that I had the ball in my hand and that George Carl was going to give me that opportunity to make the team better. He never looked over to me to call plays. He never told me to call plays because I was smart enough to run a play and see what's on the floor and what the mismatch was. So I would run that play. If I seen that it was a mismatch with uh, Sam Perkins, I would get a pick across and get him to the ball, to the block, or I'll set him up for a three. If it was Sean Kemp, I'll put him on the, on the block. If it was Detlef in the mid-range, I would run a play that was going to get Detlef a, a cross screen or a down pick to get him a, a wide open shot. That was just me. I like me controlling the game because I got the ball in my hand and I can control the destiny of anything. I can make whatever happen if I control that ball. And when I control that ball and my other teammates know that I can control the ball and I'm going to make something special happen and I'm going to get them the ball at the right time, I'm satisfied with that. I'm glad I was a point guard because that is what I learned. I learned how to be a leader. It learns you how to be a leader and how to control the team. And when you got players that uh, follow you and see what you do, it's a lot easier to control the basketball team. And folks, listen to this. You're hearing this from Gary Payton, our guest here on the Rick Barry Show, Hall of Famer, 75th anniversary team, multiple all-defensive player of the year. I mean, he was made so many all-defensive teams, it's kind of crazy. But <laughs> he just told you, he just told you the way I was taught the game needs to be played because he is a he was a coach on the floor, and he was lucky enough to have a coach that allowed him to do that. So God bless George Carl for doing that. Oh, I see periodically up in Denver, I have some lunches over at Big Bill's Pizza Place. Yeah. <laughs> but he was smart. You see, Timmy, coaches, this is the whole thing, Gary. You've been around enough. Some coaches don't understand who they have as a player and allow him and put him in situations to do what he does best and they make them play in their system. And that drives me absolutely insane because you waste talent that way waste talent that way Rick I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100% because I think these coaches nowadays all they do is go and get talent and then when they get talent they get it at a, at, a, at a certain position and then they want that position to be that guy they don't understand an all around basketball player who can change the game and I hate that to the fullest I, I if a guy can change the game I don't care if he can score he, can, he, he can't score he can't shoot, then use him in a way that he's going to do it. And I'm going to give you an example of a guy uh, on the big three, Rick, and you know he's on my team, and, and that's Reggie Evans. Right. He can't shoot the basketball. He can't do nothing. He can't shoot free throws that well, you know, <laughs> but he can do everything else. He's a hustle guy. He's a rebound guy. He's going to be doing the grit, the grit and grind things for a lot for your team. He's going to just get on the floor and do what he can, and that makes his ability be better. They didn't use him that way in the pros. When we drafted him in Seattle, we just used him as to be the, the 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 grind guy, which we needed him for. We didn't need nothing else. And these are the type of players that you got to give an opportunity to do that and make them be special in their way, not the way you want to make them. They're not that type of basketball player. Make them special of what they do. 
And I think when you put a player in there and just say, do what you do, I'm going to give you 15 minutes. Go do what you're going to do. And if you do something special for me, don't worry about it. You're going to stay on the floor. And that's what I think that players and coaches, I mean, coaches should understand. Give a player an opportunity to do that. I got lucky and had a guy finally this year because, you know, I, I didn't get to pick players, as you know, in the big three. But I, Leandro Barbosa is like that. Uh -huh. I, I mean, yes. he's still at his age, can still play and do things. And he surprised the hell out of me with how good he shoots the three-point shot as well. But I just let him go, you know, right. let him go. I mean, because right. I mean, this guy there isn't anybody could stop him. He's so dang quick. Still, at 37, 38 years of age. Yes, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun this year. So, I'm hopefully we'll be back there competing in the big three as well. Gary Payton uh. joining me here in the Rick Barry Show. So, oh, okay, I, it, it's coming up pretty close to All Star time. What is your thought about what's happened to the All Star game? Well, Rick is is is, is this entertainment. You know, okay, Adam, thank you. You, you answered my Adam question knows, right there. <laughs> Adam, Adam, Adam knows what, what is selling now in, in, in basketball. You know, young kids watch this game more than the older guys now, because I think with me and Rick's mentality, when we played basketball, it was a little different and a little bit more rougher and competitive, you know, and a lot, lot more. You know what I'm saying? We, we did it a little different. So we don't really like watching basketball like that because it's a show. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a show. I have no, I have no, I don't, I don't have no grime about it. There's no grip and grime about it. That is what it is. If that's the way we're going to show it, because you got to understand, kids are watching this and what they do is they go on a PlayStation, Xbox. They be like, whoa, why do you think Stephen Curry is so popular? Because he plays the game just like he plays the Xbox and these kids look. <laughs> They look at that. That yep. is what it is. And we got to understand that. So, like, you know, the show is the dunk contest. We got people voting for it online. You know what I'm saying? And if they do the best dunk or whatever and they try it, people are trying to do that in their gyms. And we see that. And I'm 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 good with it, Rick, because we can't do anything about it. It's a show to uh, it's a show just like anybody else. We can't nothing as long as we keep talking about oh it's solved oh is that it's not going to change because <laughs> kids are going to do the same thing and what the nba is going to do they're going to sell their product mm -hmm. and that's what they're supposed to do sell your product and uh, you know we're going to go to the all-star game we're going to have fun with each other for the 75 thing but we're going to have fun at the game too you know but i'm just saying we just gotta adjust to it i know you hate it i know i hate it <laughs> I'm just going to adjust to it because I just want to see these kids have fun the way they're going to have it because we can't change it. Yeah. We're not going to. Here's the thing, Gary. It's it's it is it is entertainment and it's fine if you go there with the thing. And I just wish they would call it the the All Star Exhibition because it's not a game. Okay, it's an exhibition. They're showing off. They're doing stuff. It's entertainment and it's wonderful. And you see things there that are that you'll never see. I mean, it's just incredible. That's what I love about basketball. I mean, you can see more amazing things in a basketball game than you see sometimes in a month of games in a baseball game. I mean, occasionally you see a great place, somebody does here, but man, time after time, these guys are so athletic and it's great. I just wish they would go ahead and go back and figure out when it all changed and put an asterisk in that. Don't be giving these guys a record <laughs> of scoring points. That wasn't a game. It wasn't even competitive. I will say I mean, this, for the, for, the people, for the people who love to bet, uh, you know, I have a friend who does. Uh, if you bet the over on those games year after year, you're, you're making a killing because no one's playing yeah. defense in those games. Uh, Gary, my earliest memory of you was, I believe it was 1991. The Golden State Warriors had just broken up, run TMC. And they that next year, they actually were the third seed. They were, they were a solid team. And you guys showed up and just bounced them right out. Uh, and that was really the start of people noticing the Seattle Supersonics. Like, whoa, this is a team to be reckoned with. And then a few years later, you're in the NBA Finals playing against Jordan. Uh, the, the last summer or two summers ago, whatever that was, when the pandemic hit, you know, there's those sports, everyone watched Last Dance, which means everyone was watching that episode with you. What was your feedback and what were the emotions going through you watching this? And did you talk to Jordan afterwards? And, and what kind of feedback did you get? So I'm going to be honest with you. I've never watched, watched um, The Last Dance ever. I haven't even watched I haven't watched the whole thing, none. I, I, I don't get into that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, whatever he said, I would be disappointed with him if he didn't say it. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you, yes. you, you, you know, if a guy bowed down to another guy, I think that loses respect from a lot of people. 
I don't care what he said. I, I, I know what happened. And he, he knows what happened. It, it's his documentary. Do what he want to do. I'm not going to get on the phone with Jordan. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I've seen him twice. Said hello. Cool. We've been at the, uh, we've been at the Hall of Fame ceremony twice now. Seen him both times. No problems. I don't have any problems with that. I'm not going to go back and forth with him. We're too old for that. That was 1996. It is what it is. He won. I lost. It is what it is. I, I don't care. I mean, it, we all the same. We're all the famers. 75, we all equal to me. We play the game. I, I got drafted like he did. And I and I think I did. I had a great career like he had a great career. Yeah. You know, he oh. won more more championships and awards, you know, but I'm there too in the awards. So I don't care. You know what I'm saying? So whatever he said, fine with me. I'm not going to go back and forth with him. You I don't think he said anything bad. It was just, uh, it was just for me, for someone like me, who's a historian who, who watched this game since he was like a seven-year-old kid in the eighties. I mean, I was just taking so much joy watching this. Cause I, re I remember that series and you have a point. I remember that it wasn't until game four when you were put on Jordan and you made a difference. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the outcome in, in the end would have changed, but um, you both are also NBA champions. Uh, do you feel like it would have made that much of it? Did it, or let me rephrase this. Did it make that much of a difference going to LA and winning that championship? Like, did, did it feel like a, an exclamation point or would you have been happy regardless? I don't, I don't care. I mean, people always say a championship makes a player. I mean, it didn't make John Stockton. It didn't make Carl Malone. It didn't make Charles Barkley. True. They never won a championship. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? They're going to be the same people. You know, it, it, it's better to say that you are a champion. Okay, that's fine. You know, they're they're doing the same thing. When we go next week, they're going to be sitting up, they're going to be standing up there at halftime with me and Rick the same way that anybody else at, 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 who, who won a championship. All they're going to do is just say, we got a ring. And I don't know where my ring at. I ain't seen it in a long time. Are you but serious? It's a deposit box. But I gave all my <laughs> stuff for mom. And, you know, I I think it's in the safe deposit box or something when my mom passed or whatever. And I, I think we got it back and all that. But I'm really not caring about a ring or nothing like that. I don't care about that. I, I, I'm serious. I don't really get into that. I don't get into that type of situation. Because it doesn't make a difference to me. We play basketball for fun. It was fun. When we were playing basketball for fun and wasn't making no money, we were happy. Then we started making money. It started becoming serious. I'm like, yo, man, we should still be happy because yep. we getting a bonus. We getting money now. You know what I'm saying? So me, I don't care about that. If I wouldn't have won one, it just it is what it is. But I made it a point to go out and try to win one. Yeah, I made it you a point to go out and try to win one, and and it, and it happened. But if it didn't happen, I wouldn't have cared about it. Yeah, here's the thing. What I always said about it, and I think he made a very valid point here, uh, Cyrus, is what yeah. he was saying about, is that what I talked about, when they do these rankings of players and they give them who's this and who's that, they give a lot of extra credit to being on championship teams. Hey, Correct. you don't win by yourself. What does that have to do with your talent and your skill? You weren't lucky enough to be on a team that had good enough players to help you win a championship. So why are you getting more credit because you're on championship teams? Crazy. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you. I hate that too, Rick, because hmm. you just think about it. I ran into Michael Jordan too. Then Carl and, and John ran into him two years and he beat them both times. Then Charles ran into him in 1994 after they beat us and he lost to him. It was just so happened that we ran into a guy who was more lucky and fortunate than us in a better, probably a better team. We don't know that, but it just happened. But it is what it is, man. We just didn't probably have a better unit to get over the top at the time but we were there the better team won you know we didn't play that year you know we, it just didn't happen that year but i just say don't give nobody more credit because they won a championship i'm Thank talking you. about skill wise who deals when he went against me what did i do against him what happened against us you know what i'm saying that's skills you just we just got skills I am, i'm so happy I'm so happy I've had you on here because I mean, you're validating things that Cyrus yes. has heard me talking about forever. You I mean, I keep trying yes. to tell people all of this stuff. It's just so <laughs> stupid what these what these so-called talking heads who think they know the game of basketball never played at that level have no really clue of what the hell is going on. This is Rick Barry and the Rick Barry Show with Cyrus <laughs> Satchez and my guest, Hall of Famer, Top 75 player, Gary Payton. Appreciate him taking all of this time.
All right, time to take a quick break to talk to you about Masterworks. Want to make some money? How about you invest in an exciting asset that's outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% for 25 years? I'm talking about ART, A-R-T, Masterworks is the new investing app that lets you invest in blue chip paintings from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol without needing millions of dollars. Over 300,000 people have already signed up. Get priority access with our unique promo. Logged on to masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclosures. Very curious as to what it was like for you. I mean, you you know, you loved your, your, your time up there in Seattle, and then all of a sudden you leave, and you wind up playing for, what, three, three four different teams, I guess, right? You played for Milwaukee, and then uh, the Lakers, where you got that championship, and then uh, Boston, and finished up with Miami. Oh, what yeah. was that like? for you that's great you know what rick it was it was it was hard for me the first time when i got traded to milwaukee when i got traded to milwaukee it was really really hard because i wasn't ready to leave seattle i played for milwaukee for two months and then i decided to go to the la because we we did the super team thing kobe Shaq, and carl and myself that team was good but we just didn't work out you know what i'm saying i think kobe was going through what he was going through Shaq was too carl got hurt and that year I played mostly by myself with a lot of guys who were guys that I just thought that was just diehard warriors, guys that nobody looked to look, looked like they were going to be basketball players. And we, we made it to the finals, you know, then I go to Boston and I went with uh, Doc Rivers. Paul would play with Paul Pierce, uh, Antoine Walker. We did it. We made a good run. We made it to the first year of the playoffs. But at this time, Rick, I was just thinking about trying to win a championship and retire. I was always 15, 16 years in the league. I was 37 years old. I wasn't really, really, really rare. I, basketball was fading off for me. It wasn't being fun anymore. So I was just trying to say, and I was listening to that stupid stuff of winning the championship to solidify who you are. Then I started thinking about it. I'm like, how do I supposed to get a championship to solidify who I was? If I look back on my career, look at all the stuff I've done. How the heck I'm going to solidify a championship going to solidify what I did in 17, 16, 17 years? That's crazy. So at the end of my year, when I won a championship, I was just like, I'm done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not going to try to sit here for three, four more years and collect checks and all that stuff. Let me live my life. I'm young. I'm 37 years old. I got a whole life to, to live forward to. I'm not, I'm, I'm, ain't nobody ever retired like that in 37. You know what I'm saying? In the prime. And I made as much money as I did. I said, man, let me go on and, and live my life, be around my kids and do the other stuff. And that's all I did. I just said, man, I, I was taking one-year deals and that's all I was doing. After Seattle, I took one-year deals. And then I said, if it work here, it work. If it don't, it don't. Let me move on. Well, I can, attitude. I, I can relate to that. You know, my thing is, is I just, I said, after we won the champion 75, I said, boy, I wish I could retire right now. It would be the greatest thing ever to walk out on top like this. But the thing is, I love playing basketball. I'm still young. I wanted to play. In fact, I would have kept playing there. I would have done what you did. So many guys wound up going in Boston late in their career. I was going to play for the Celtics, but they changed the rules in basketball in 1980 from 12-man rosters to 11 to save money. So that tells you where the NBA has come from 1980. <laughs> so you got in just at the right time when it was really floating, okay? Yeah. I, I would have liked to have played. Man, I had a knee operation, and hell, I played. I felt so good playing. and I went overseas on a tour and played with, uh, with Phil Jackson, actually, who was a coach, and played with Bobby Dandridge and a bunch of other guys, and, we had a, and Pete Maravich, and we had a great time doing it. But I never got to play – and, and, you know, another real super competitive game on the uh, on the pro level after that. But I can see where you were coming from. I would have done it if I could have. So of all the things, what, what was your favorite memory in your all-star career? Obviously, you were on multiple all-star teams doing stuff. You were a nine-time all-NBA player, nine-time all-star. So what game stands out for you? You know, Rick, 
no game stands out for me. Only thing stands out for me is when I went to the All-Star game and was in that locker room. Hmm. When I was in that locker room with the guys that I was fighting against every year, and I was trying to beat them down every year to find out who they were as men and their families as what they were. I wanted to get at John Stockton so much every year. <laughs> and I hated him. And then when I got into the locker room and met him as a person, I started admiring him. And Rick, you notice know now, he's probably one of my best, one of my favorite play, uh, um, people in the world. Wow. You know, one of my favorite people in the world. You know, I respected him the way he, he made my game be because I always wanted to beat him. But when I went into the locker room and met him as a person and got to hang out with him, then I went to the um, um, Olympics with him, went on Dream Team 2, got to stay with him for three months. I met him as that. Then I met Carl Malone. I met all these guys in the locker room. That was my greatest moment to meet these guys and then go to practice. And we joke around and be with each other and then come on and compete on that Sunday in the All-Star game. And then I knowing that the next day on Monday, I got to get back to hating them again. But I really <laughs> know who they are. I was really happy about that. That was the biggest moment for me to just hang out with them for three days from, from, from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then just, just meet them and know who they were. That was the biggest moment All-Star ever. Incredible. That's very well stated. They, they say the true. NBA fraternity is the greatest fraternity. And every time I hear these interviews, it, it just confirms it. It really does. Uh, if you don't mind, I got one more question for you, Gary, and then I'll sit back. Uh, you know, you and Dame Lillard have a have an interesting uh, uh, relationship in the sense that you both have those Oakland roots. You're raised from there. You both play for Pacific Northwest teams, but everyone here in the Bay Area still loves you. Like, like you're, you, you guys are that rare type of individual that even though you're on the opposing team, when you're here, there's a lot of respect. Like, like people here love you, especially with your son now playing, but even way before that. And Dame Lillard has a similar kind of love here in the Bay Area. T tell us about your Oakland roots, man. Like, like, what was your upbringing here? And do you still come back? Like, just, yeah, tell us all about that, please. Yeah. Yeah, Cyrus, I'm, I'm living back in the Bay Area now because I took the head job with the Lincoln University, a little small, uh, a small university, a private university here, which I took over because of Oakland. I wanted to bring Oakland back on the map and bring basketball back here because we've lost Golden State. We lost the Oakland Raiders. Uh, we only got the A's. The A's are trying to leave. I yeah. wanted to come back to this Oakland roots. Growing up in Oakland was the greatest thing of, 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 of my life because it taught me how to be that tough guy. It taught me how to uh, deal with a lot of things, uh, especially as my father raised me as my coach until I got into high school. It's like that. Dame went through the same thing. Uh, he growing up in Brookfield, which is a, a, a rough place to, to grow up in. You know, I grew up in East Oakland where it was another rough place to go yes, it is. grow it up in. So I'm like, we have roots here because, and the, the fans here know what we went through to get out of that. You know, we didn't, we didn't have to play basketball. We could have went somewhere else and did something else and became the typical guys who got lost in the streets. But we decided not to because of the parents who we, our fathers who we had to, to, to push us. And with my young guy and Dane, I love him so much because he's real different. He's not, he don't know nothing about them streets. He might've been around it and seen it, but he's not that type of guy. If you talk to Dame, he's really different. He's really different. He's a kid who was humble. He doesn't go out. He doesn't do none of that type of situation. He stays in Portland. He comes home to see his grandmother and his, and his father and stuff. Now he's a family man. He's moved all his family up to Portland, oh, wow. gave him jobs with Adidas did things like that. He starts things here. He, he comes back and gives picnics here in Oakland at his, at his, at his where he's raised in Brookfield. He donates a lot of stuff as like, as I do. And I think the people love us because we come back to our neighborhood and don't act like we're bigger than anybody else. Right. No, I'm not bigger than no one. I just was raised here and they just gave me an opportunity to play basketball and I took advantage of it and I used my talents to get better. So I go out, I go to the same places. I might not hang out, but I if I see somebody I knew and I grew up with, I'll say, yo, let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you dinner. And then I'll leave. And they'll be like, man, he's still that same guy. He doesn't think he's bigger than nobody. 
And that's why people love us because we do do that. We stay out and stay in the community. We go to the places like that. And that's what it is. We don't not leave Oakland and don't come back. We come and visit. We come and be there. You know, I my brother has a church in West Oakland. I'm there every Sunday now. Wow. And people enjoy that. And when I come to church, it's a lot of people who want to get autographs and get pictures all the time. And I don't say no. I say yes. And that's why they love us because we do this and we stay in the community. Mm. Good for you. That's awesome that you have that type of an attitude. One last thing, and I really appreciate all the time that you're taking, but it's been fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you. Fun for me. Let's talk, because you brought up and you said something about getting in the locker room. So obviously getting in the locker room, knowing the players, getting to meet the guys that you admire, that you've competed against, and to have that camaraderie for a short period of time is wonderful. I agree 100% with you. But what was it like as far as your memories of being a part of such a special team, that dream team that you were on? Mm. Ooh, Rick, that was the most fun thing ever. To me, to tell me that I was... 12 of the greatest basketball players to go represent their country was big for me. It was really big. And plus I got to play with six of the original dream teams. Right. And we had six added, which was, I was one of the six. And to go in and compete against them every day, Lenny Wilkins was our coach and he let us compete. Just let us compete. And I competed against Jerry Sloan was our coach. I, I competed against John Stockton every day. I competed against Reggie Miller every day. I competed against Mitch Richmond every day. Olajuwon, uh, David Robinson, Shaq, uh, Grant Hill, uh, uh, Charles Barkley. We were having a ball. And I mean, the big, the funnest thing was well, every day at practice because we didn't know what we were going to do in practice because we was competing so tough. And then by the time we get to the games, we beating people by 40. It's like, that was an experience that I'll never forget. You know, the 1996 Olympics Dream Team 2, where we went and played on our own soil in Atlanta, won the, won the gold medal. We had the controversial when the bombs went off. We yeah. were right there for it. And we got to go and help and help that out and go over there and, and help and get that corrected and then be out there in the public to tell people that this was a tragic. And this would be a part of it. This would be a part of that. And the girl, the women's team, that was when they were starting to become really, really good too and win, win the gold medals. But it was like, we was all together. We was together for three months and we did a tour. And you remember during that time, Rick, they would go to everybody's city. We would play in 12 different cities, an exhibition game. And we went to everybody's city and everybody got to do what they wanted to do. Carl Malone and John with the uh, Utah. And we got on, John, uh, Carl had 12 motorcycle policemen there because the motorcycle guy. We got off the plane. Everybody jumped on one motorcycle, every player. And we rolled down to Utah and they had a, a welcome for us, which was real cool. You know what I'm saying? That was cool, man. We went to Orlando and Shaq set it out. Him and Penny set it out in, in, um, in, uh, at the Disney World, Seattle. I took everybody to the Space Needle and on the boat on the, on the Queen Mary. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was just cool, man. It was just cool to be on an Olympic team like that. Boy, I, t- I have to say, I am jealous of you, because, but I, I appreciate it because, listen, I was there watching you. I was in the hotel because my wife was in charge of the women's team, and so yeah. I got to see you. I was there when the bomb went off doing it, and they woke us up and all, so it was a great right. experience, but I can't even imagine what it had been like. But for me, the one time only I had USA on my chest when I played against the Soviet team when I was in college, I, when that national anthem played, I never was so proud, more proud to be an American. And, and, and I can't even imagine what it was like for you to have a gold medal hanging around your neck. And Rick, that was, that's what I tell everybody every, every time that I had a fortune to, to win two gold medals. And the, everybody say, what was the proudest moment of basketball that you ever was? And I always mentioned the Olympics. That was my proudest moment ever. For me to bow my head down and they put that thing on, that put that gold medal around my neck and millions of people watch me and I got the USA on my chest. I always tell these people, think about 
the armed forces who are over in different countries getting mm -hmm. shot at and bombs at them, and they come back with either no hands, no legs, and got and got mental problems, and they're doing it for free. And we're getting something for this and getting something out of this, even if it's endorsements or whatever. They're giving the right, they're giving us, making us safe to plan these type of situations and keep it safe. And we never give them no kind of credit because that's the credit that they need because they're giving us the opportunity to say USA on our chest. So you should be proud to represent our country. You should be proud to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm very proud that I had the chance to do two year, two times of it and, 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 and win it and say that we wanted to, we're the greatest, you know, country of all time, you know, and that's just the way I feel about it. And are your medals in that uh, safety security deposit box with your? Uh, Everything ring? is in the same. <laughs> Everything is in the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I tell you, that's a great way I think to end this, folks, is because yeah. I've always felt that one of the, the, the one of the most discriminated against uh, people in this country that we have is our our, our servicemen who put their lives mm -hmm. on the line for us, and we wouldn't be where we are today and have the country we have without them. So God bless all of them, and I'm so glad to hear you say that. Uh, well spoken. <laughs> What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe, or use the promo code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So anyway, listen, I know you probably have other things to do. This has been absolutely awesome. I'm looking yes, forward to seeing you at the, at, at the ceremony for the 75th anniversary in Cleveland. Uh, and and looking forward to competing against you, hopefully again next season in in the Big Three. So <laughs> that I can have a team that will actually get to the playoffs this year. Because you know I hate losing, Gary. <laughs> I know, Rick, I know. And you know what, Rick? <laughs> I've been fortunate to go to the playoffs every year I've been in here on in the Big Three, and I don't went to the championship twice and lost. But you know, Rick, I know I'd be seeing it on Rick's face every time. <laughs> He be hating it. I be like, Rick, you gonna get a good team sooner or later, man. You gonna get somebody good sooner or later. But it's coming though, man. But we have a good time in, in the summers. I love it. I love seeing you guys every summer because it's always good to see you every week. You know, cause we, like I said, Rick, we don't know when we gonna leave here. You know what I'm saying? And to see friends every time and see every time and see us healthy and getting around. Cause we done seen a lot of guys in the big three that went, went and, and gone and passed away too. And that we, we just got to enjoy our time together. And that's what I say. When next week comes, I'm going to enjoy myself being with the other 74 guys. You know what I'm saying? Because it's an honor and a privilege because this life is just too short. A lot of things have been going on for the last two years and we just got to enjoy each other. That's it. Right. Enjoy each other, be happy with each other and just, you know, just pray every day that we're going to see each other on a consistent basis. And I Gary, hope so too. Yeah, I hope Gary, so. And Gary, we have to thank, we have to thank Ice Cube for coming up with this concept because yes. it's been really great. It's been so much fun to, you know, to hang out with you guys and see you guys where we're going to different cities and hopefully now, hopefully COVID will get itself crazy and get out of the way and we can get back to the fun that we had going to the other city <laughs> and doing it and not have to have all of this lockdown stuff that right. we had to go through. And, so. and Gary, I, I want to thank you. It was really nice to meet you, man. Your attitude is incredible. You and Rick, it shocks me how similar you two are. Uh, promote away, <laughs> by the way. Well, you got social media, you got websites, you got projects. Please promote before we let you go. Anything you want to promote? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I got a lot of things going on. You know, I, I, I got a, uh, a tech company, which is called Game One. You can go and look it up. Oh, it's wow. a pretty nice tech company. Uh, I'm doing the NFTs and all that stuff right now. Uh, I, I've got a... Uh, cannabis company that, that, that I'm, I'm involved with. 
uh, my strand. I got a strand, which is I'm doing it because of medical reasons, because of what my mother died from. And I'm trying to get people who are not getting, you know, having their, their, their other significant or their mother or something struggling to give them a joy until their life, their life is in it and happy, have them the same way. You know what I'm saying? Or can change it, get all that medication out of them, come to something free. You know what I'm saying? And not doing that, I, I got a company called General Principal in the Cannabis. I got a company called, I got a, a product out as Peyton's Place over in the East Coast. I'm with a company called Cookies. You know, <laughs> I got Seattle. I got a lot of restaurants up there that I'm doing oh. a lot of business up there in Seattle with that. You know, I, I'm just trying to break into stuff that's going to help other people. You know, yeah. my, my foundation, Gary Payton Foundation is big about giving scholarships here in the Bay Area to a lot of kids who need it, who are, don't have the money to go to school, but have the grades and have the ability to get there. And I give them a boost by giving them money to get into these schools, start them off, get them grants and payout grants and stuff like that to get them continuing to stay in the school. And I'm, I'm helping with that, with scholarships and stuff like that. And I'm just, just being trying to be a part of some kid's life. You know, taking this job as what I did at Lincoln University here, I'm trying to get kids that lost cracks, who got through cracks and, you know, they didn't make it at grades. And then I can get them, bring them in, see if I can get their grades right, get them into school, get them to learn how to uh, study, how to do their homework. And I, I think I got a couple of good kids that lost that, that were great basketball players, just couldn't get in because of their grades. I'm getting them into school, getting them into summer school in the summer, making them be eligible to, to play. And then all of a sudden teaching them as we play basketball and getting somebody to look at them to learn how to uh, understand. You break your leg or anything. You might not play be a basketball player, but you can be great as a, as a, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher. You can be great as anything, a, politi a politician. You can be great at anything. Anything. You're absolutely right. And You're you can right. be this the same way we're sitting here talking. People can follow you. You don't have to be a, a, a pro player. So that's what I'm trying to teach them, to get some goals in their life. That's it. Just get goals in your life to be somebody. Get out of this situation where you want to be in these streets. You don't need to be in those streets. You need to be teaching somebody in 15 to 20 years. You're going to be talking to some kids like I'm talking to you. Yep. And you're going to be looking at them and saying, I was the one who motivated him to be up there to do this for other people. And that's all I'm trying to do. It amazes me the NBA hasn't granted Seattle an expansion team yet. I don't know what they're waiting for. If they, if and when that happens, I could see Gary honestly like running that thing. I mean, I, you're, they love you in Seattle. I got so much family up there. And anyways, thank you so much, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, we're gonna get, we'll get it. To we're the gonna opportunity. Get it they, Gary, they here's the thing: they need to get more people like a Gary Payton involved in the league to do mm -hmm. the things that necessary. I mean, I don't care how much you've watched the game, how much you study the game. There are things about the game that you will never know and appreciate if you didn't play the game at that particular level. And listening to you, Gary, and I've learned more about you in this interview. I mean, obviously we've spoken and stuff before, but this has been very enlightening to me mm -hmm. and incredibly impressed with what you've done with your life, what you've gone through to get to where you are. And the fact, more importantly than anything else, Gary, that you appreciate what life has given you and God has given you and you've made the most of it. So God bless you and your family for that. Thank you, Rick. And I appreciate that, you know, um, being around you and, and, you know, you hear things about people and they say stuff. And every time I be around Rick, it's a pleasure to be around you. You know, me always is always on the same page. I, I just, I just hate people that try to tell me about people and then I get to know them. And they're a whole different atmosphere and a whole different player person. And you know, once you called me and said, get on your podcast, it, it's an honor for me to be on your podcast because I talk about you and Larry Bird as one of the greatest players I've seen. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like honored to even be on your on your podcast. Thank you very much. And I appreciate it. And every time I be around you, I always want to pick your brain and knowledge about anything. You know what I'm saying? Well, all the best I, to you. If, you. if I get a chance to help you talk to any of your players when you're doing your new thing, good luck with that as well. And uh, have safe travels to Cleveland. I'll look forward to seeing you uh, next weekend. weekend. I'll see, I see you next weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it all. Thank you Thanks, so much. Gary. Nice meeting you. Bye-bye.
All right. So that was uh, a lot of fun, folks. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, I think you got an idea uh, as to who Gary Payton is as a person. Uh, I'm sure you probably have a different opinion of him than you might have had before. But it's always fun to sit down and have a conversation with people. I love greatness. You know, Gary was a great player yes. and, and uh, learned a lot about him in this interview. So that was a lot of fun. I know you enjoyed it, Cyrus. You're oh, such a basketball junkie. <laughs> anyway we'll look forward to our next time on the rick barry show you never know yeah. who's going to pop up um uh, and it's like i say to me doing the show and having opportunities to have conversations like this with people like gary payton makes it all worthwhile so god bless all of you and before Hope we go gary, rick, rick before we go i mean valentine's day is coming up i saw you promote a cameo on twitter and you can follow rick barry on social media at rick 24 barry uh, go cameo.com, right? You could actually yeah. order a personalized message from Rick Barry to your loved one. What a gift. And what yeah. else? You got other stuff going on too, Medicileaf. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, we have the Medicileaf, medicileaf.com, M-E-D-I-C-I-L-E-A-F.com. 24 is the code, cannabinoid products. You said Gary's into stuff as well in that yeah. area. Um, and ours doesn't have the THC, but his does from the medical end standpoint. <laughs> and uh, go sleeves, G O S L E E V E S, oh. go sleeves.com. And that's RB24 is the code for that small letter RB24. Great products. I've got a bunch of stuff. Over. I'm hoping that they were getting it and get Draymond to use this stuff. It's got kinesio tape into it. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's a good product. And I, you know, try to get clay to put it on to use it for it's great for, for after games, even to put it on. I mean, but. I'm hoping that they'll start using it because guys are going down and these are great products. I use them myself all the time. So it is what it is. Meanwhile, I'll focus <laughs> on my pickleball. I got a pickleball tournament next week down in Mesa for the PPA with, with this leaf. So hopefully I'll go down there and win a couple more medals uh, hey and, um, and all Look the best. You. Everybody. You, you've been hyping up pickleball as the most, as most, uh, the number one growing sport in the country, I believe. And it might everybody. be in the world. Somebody was saying it could be the most, the fastest growing sport in the world. I think like 60 different countries are getting into it now. I, I mean, it's just going to continue to expand because it's so much fun and people of all ages can play it. It doesn't beat you up like tennis does. Uh, it doesn't require the athleticism and skills that a tennis player needs to have. Um, because it's easy to serve. You just serve an underhanded serve. You don't have to do a lot of walking, you know, a lot of pounding on your body and a lot right. of running back and forth like you do in singles tennis. And even in doubles, it's, uh, it's you know, it's a smaller court. So it's fun. You should, I, I highly recommend that anybody to definitely give it a try. So maybe I'll see you out there in the pickleball, pickleball court sometime. <laughs> and your forehand so, is wicked. I, I saw so, that on Well, I, I actually have a really good... Backhand. Real hard backhand put away when I'm up at the right. net, so it's good. Anyway, all the best, everybody. We'll look forward to the next show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.